Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a very exciting guest in Valerie Fenchel. So Val runs her firm practicing family law out of the San Francisco Bay Area, and she ended up coming on our radar for pacing extremely high in the Law Firm 500 with an astounding 303% growth of the last three years. Super impressive, Val. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Awesome. So we're doing a little bit of the pre-shot and I kind of like to just kind of hop right into it as far as thing too. You mentioned that growing the team was a huge factor to your success. So I wanted to ask you more specifically, can you think of a single, like a, a key breakthrough moment where things ended up changing and how you guys looked at building the team over at your firm? Yeah, I think once my main focus was finding a managing attorney, everything really fell into place. I think when I started my firm, you know, my ego was in it, like a lot of law firm owners. And I knew I was a really exceptional family law attorney and I wanted to handle the cases a certain way. But I think the moment I discovered that if I kind of released the reins and released control and put my ego aside and practice doing that every hour, that actually it would be better not just for my personal mindset and stress, but also for the growth of the firm and for the, our ability to really serve clients the best. Okay. Awesome. And then the other thing too, is that you mentioned that was really big in terms of like your marketing moving forward. I want to stick a pin in that and come back to it. But I realized that I basically railroaded myself into asking the question I should have asked first, which is how to get there. I, I just want to preface by saying the step that you took in terms of hiring and managing an attorney I know there's so many people listening to this podcast right now that would dream to be in the position where they could have somebody that was handling that kind of stuff. But I'm sure there was maybe one or two steps you had to take before you're at the point of making that hire. So um, let's actually bring it back to the beginning. Let's talk about how you ended up starting the firm and how it ended up growing before that point. Yeah, I was a family law attorney for several different firms. I was frustrated because as much as I loved my boss at the time, I was frustrated because I was unable to take any vacations um, or time off. And also I had all these trials I was handling at the same time. And I didn't feel like I had sufficient support to really do my best work on these trials. And I'm an, a very, I'm an empath. I get really emotionally connected to people and I'm helping them. And it was just destroying me. So I ended up hiring contract attorneys through Craigslist wow. and paying them while at my firm just to have help because I wanted to do like a really good job on these trials. I wanted to kill it for these people that I really cared about. And that just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I couldn't really handle these cases the way I wanted as much as I loved my boss inside the firm. And I was never going to have freedom over my life to go on a vacation. I remember I went on a vacation and I, I was in Australia in the like internet room trying to get internet to make sure the notice of appeal was filed in time. So I was really worried no one was going to do that for me. And that level of stress makes it impossible to do well in any other part of your life, you know? So that's kind of why I went off on my own. And it was hard because I still love my old boss so much. <laughs> so it was a hard thing to do. But the moment I did, uh, she was fully supportive and I was able to kind of create a business exactly the way I wanted it, which I've been thinking about for years, you know, so it was just kind of 
it all kind of came naturally once I was kind of there and able to start it. Yeah, that's super interesting. I gotta say too, that's the first time I've heard anything like that, to be honest. But I guess you started off with a leg up that not only a lot of other people have. And then you started basically with contract help on day one, right? Yeah, I ended up, so the contract help I was using at my, when I was at my old firm was like very seasoned attorneys just to mm-hmm. get there. Cause I wanted to kind of kick things around with them about like their thoughts on how, you know, case strategy and stuff. But I also, I guess I also hired a little intern to help me like <laughs> drive me to court <laughs> and like carry my stuff <laughs> just because when you're so stressed, you know, and I'm a terrible driver. So like that didn't help either. <laughs> so yeah. just like having that extra help. Yeah. I guess that was nice too. And just going through like exhibits and documents and helping me organize things. I guess I like vehemently believe that you can't do a trial by yourself. You need a team of highly competent, committed people. And I think that's the only way to kind of do it right for the client and your, you know, your own peace of mind. Yeah. And just to take a quick pause, how long before today was that? I was trying to remember for the podcast. Like, I don't yeah. want to give them a full date. I think it was in 2017. I think it was like five years ago. Okay. I got to say, cause that's fantastic. And, and one of the things that, um, and this is the thing too, we speak to people kind of at all levels of the journey too. And what I find really, really interesting about this story is that you ended up skipping two super like crazy trenches that people get stuck in for a super, super long time. And it actually illustrates one of the things that I like to talk about on the podcast all the time, which is that you have to have high quality help. Like the motivation that ultimately left, got, got you to leave the firm was the quality of the work you're able to put forward. So being able to step up there in day one is a fantastic, I, I think honestly, like speak to the, the timeline being five years instead of 50 years, which a lot of people take to get to the same point. But um, also, you know, it kind of illustrates like the, the the level at which people should start doing this because like a super common thing that I we see all the time is like, you people go out and they strike on their solo on their own, true solo, you know, they end up taking a couple like cases that they probably shouldn't to make the bills if things end up getting slowing. They're hiring cheap help. They're hiring newbies. They're hiring paralegals and gradually ramping their way up to the point where they can hire experienced counsel. And then by the time they've hired experienced counsel, which is where you're at on day one, 10, 15 years and, you know, a lot of stress has happened, right? So you're able to kind of shortcut that. But you know, I think that's brilliant too. Like as far as kind of the operation side, it seems like you're almost had that, like you kind of skipped to like step four or five on day one. But um, as far as getting clients during that stage, like how are you able to kind of get that initial, you know, momentum going as far as the clients that you're bringing into the practice? Yeah, I guess I've always been a big fan of Shark Tank. I just love it. And so I always thought about what business I would create as if I was like a Shark Tank founder, even though a law firm founder really isn't as cool. But that's kind of how I thought about things. Like what kind of marketing, what kind of feeling do I want people to have when they think about my firm? And I thought of myself from the beginning as a business owner instead of a lawyer. I was hanging up my shingle, right? I was starting my little empire. So I think just by having that mindset and speaking about your firm in that way and having those thoughts in your brain, it changes how people perceive you and it changes how clients are going to perceive you. Having that confidence and inner calm, I think it sounds kind of, I don't mean weird, but I think that's a huge change from the way a lot of people start their law firms, just the way they talk about it. But yeah, so I guess talking about it, like it was a law firm. It wasn't just the shop of Valerie Fenchel. You know, I think that helped add credibility 
and helped bring in referrals. Also, I'm a people person more than anything else. So I think having those really close connections to the clients that already had made it, you know, in family law, of course, they're going to come with you because, you know, you're their trusted advisor, you're, (laughs) you're very close in family law. So, but it actually wasn't very hard to continue to bring in new business and generate that for the firm. I think just, you know, having a social media presence and just anything my firm did was a milestone that I had announced to my community and my network. Like it's not Val didn't do this little thing, you know, eventual family law did this, right? It's like a different vibe and it creates more interest. And I think when you're a business, when you're starting, a, when you're founding a business, you would be surprised about how many people want to cheer you on and be there for you. It's like something exciting for people in your community and your network to kind of be a part of. And I don't think people realize that, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Like I also think too, just like, you know, going back to the motivations of why you ended up leaving the firm in the first place too, it's just like, you know, you probably had a lot of people in corner just because of how much you cared. And like, it's kind of, you know, weird to say that that's something that's an advantage because you'd think everyone would care as much as you do, but you know, it is kind of rare these days to be honest. And like, I also have to say, I, I, uh, I'm going to have a really hard time placing this quote, but I think somebody ended up saying, you know, there's a difference between people who start this off as lawyers and people who start this off as business owners that provide legal services as their product. And another huge thing that you ended up doing and like, you know, probably just like, God, I remember back in the day when I was doing BNI in Manhattan, like the, the, the one man shops that were just, you know, begging for, <laughs> it's just begging for little scraps and just like, you know, not being able to position that also probably attracted a lot of the right people for you as well. I want to transition a little bit too, because you live in San Francisco, which is a very interesting and diverse place. Did you ever end up focusing on a particular group or niche or anything to to build your client base? At the beginning, when I first started my firm, I thought, oh, I'm going to be all about representing women, like women's empowerment, me too. But then I realized I love working with men. They're so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up being all about father's rights. There's something about like, this caring dad that wants to have a relationship with his kids that just really, I don't know, it just gets me. So that's kind of how we started. But now, honestly, with our managing attorney, Abby, Abby came from Silicon Valley working on complex high net worth cases with dividing tech companies and stuff. So she shares my you know love of helping the fathers and getting custody of their kids, but she also loves these more complex cases. So we've kind of moved forward in a way as far as how we're, you know, the kind of cases we're bringing in. So everything's kind of organic and fluid, I think, with the business. Yeah, gotcha. Because it's interesting too, like, if I'm hearing that correctly, basically, the niche was something that was important at the beginning, but as you ended up getting more critical mass, it became less important because the brand itself was larger, right? I mean, I don't really honestly think there's a rule. I just think it's knowing what you like. I guess I don't think there's one way to have a successful law firm. I think for me, the biggest change for me was just trusting my gut and going off of what I felt like was right for me. Because if you're the head of your business, if something's not jiving with you right, it's going to (laughs) suck. Whether someone else is succeeding doing it or not, it has to feel good for you personally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say of things to kind of optimize, like, uh, like uh, the other factors around like being able to be passionate about the type of work you're doing and being able to do a good job, which seems kind of like a common theme with you is there's a lot worse, <laughs> there are a lot of worse ways to, uh, to kind of choose, but to like follow your heart. Along. Okay. So let's take it back to basically. So, all right, we've gotten this kind of like the first stage too. So it's you, we got a couple senior counsel, you got your, your paralegal, 
What else kind of had to happen before you got to the point you're hiring the managing attorney? Yeah. So I think the first attorney I hired was a junior associate that I trained myself like day to day, like how to be client facing and the way you, you know, write your email and making it more simple. Like I don't like the lawyer way of doing things. I like the more personal, simple way of communicating and like teaching her that kind of stuff and teaching her how to do trials and just having that kind of stamp, you know, on how things are done. And I think that helped me to trust another attorney to carry out my vision for me without having my hands in it all the time. And that was an important step for me. But over time, I had hired, you know, different attorneys and seen their strengths and weaknesses. And I still felt like I had to be reviewing a lot of the work that was done because I didn't have that high level of trust where I could be in Hawaii (laughs) and know that everything was being handled better than I would do it. And so I think once, you know, I think for me, it's been the more steps I take outside of the business, the better the business does. So it was just realizing I had to hire, find that really rock star person. And it's so hard to hire someone like that, especially with COVID but I had an opposing counsel that I was just enamored by. <laughs> and so I had to like really try. And I felt like Charlotte in Sex in the City, which you probably don't watch, but like not. I did watch Sex in the City, watch, actually. <laughs> like trying to get converted to Judaism, like getting turned away. Like I was like trying to get Abby to want to work for me, but she was busy. But eventually, you know, <laughs> eventually she came. And I think like once you find really high quality people, it's not just getting that person. It's like any kind of relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You have to water it and make sure that person's happy and feels empowered. So, I mean, it was really funny for Valentine's day. I meant to send Abby Rose, but I, my assistant sent her (laughs) roses. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think Abby thought I had a crush on her. So I had to clarify that today when I, (laughs) so, but I think it's doing like, I don't know. I try to be as thoughtful as possible to make the people that work for me feel appreciated because it's a huge deal to get good people. And it's really hard to do, you know, it's not easy to find them. Well, let's definitely drill down on that because that's also, you know, a lot of firsts in this podcast so far, Val, (laughs) like, I don't think I've ever heard of somebody hiring a managing partner out of their opposing counsel, but I mean, it's something I've heard before. It's like, you know, the best people aren't sitting around waiting for their next job. They're at work, you know, and, you know, you ended up finding her and maybe this, this, <laughs> I was going to use this word before, but maybe it's even more appropriate. How long did the courtship end up lasting <laughs> as far as right. bringing her over to your a side? Year. A really? Year. Yeah. I feel like if someone comes into my life and I admire and deeply respect them, a huge indicator to me that I want to keep them in my life. And I don't care if they're working for me or if they're my friend or whatever. I think you want to cultivate those kind of relationships. It's better for you in general. So if someone says no to me, that's okay. I'm still here. Yeah. I I mean, it seems like you get your woman too. I was going to (laughs) say, you always get your man, but like, I mean, a year is no joke. I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure that was, you know, more or less, you know, there wasn't just probably the one event and, you know, to, to touch cross, uh, paths every six months. It's like, you know, really, really steady and focused effort, but you know, it seems like it's absolutely been taking off since then. Let me ask you this though. Did anyone feel like they could have uh, filled the role before you ended up meeting Abby? Or was that just kind of like a kismet right place, right time there? Do you have any missteps before you ended up finding or like, you know, getting that good feeling about her? Totally. The first attorney I hired was an incredible attorney and she would have been an incredible managing attorney. 
I think she wanted to work at a firm where, because we're still friends, I still talk to her all the time, but where she felt like there was more, like, uh, I think she called it equity. Like she wanted the the owner of the firm to be in the trenches with her working the cases. Mm -hmm. And that's just not where I saw myself heading. So she wanted, you know, and now I think she's working for the government, which is awesome. That's awesome for her. But, you know, I think like it has to be a right fit. Like, I can't just want the person to work for me. I have to be the right fit for them too, you know? And right now we're actually looking to hire a second senior level attorney. So it's the same process. And I just think you have to be really patient. But at the same time, obviously there were times before I found the right fit where I really wanted the help. And I have found awesome people. They may not be a managing attorney, but we have this incredible of counsel, Bob, who's our, you know, he's our of counsel and he does a ton of work for us and he's brilliant. You know, he's not our managing attorney because he doesn't live locally, but oh my gosh, he's like the wind beneath our wings. Like he does so much for our firm. So I think to me, it's just finding the right people and then figuring out where to put them in order to make it the best experience for our clients and for all of us, you know, working at the firm too. Yeah. And I kind of want to circle back to, because I know you mentioned earlier about like being an empath, right? And I think it's like such an interesting perspective because you're not only taking that perspective of your clients, but also of your employees, which is like such an important thing to do. Like at the end of the day, I think the best working relationships it's just like, you know, you're not do. it's like the difference between managing and leadership, right? It's like doing something because I told you to versus doing something because it's truly aligned with what you want to do and what's best for you and us at the same time, right? But that's fantastic. And, you know, you're going through these different positions and you mentioned earlier that like, you know, you're letting go of these things progressively and the firm's getting to a better place. I'm sure there's some pretty serious systems that go into it, but I'm also sure there's some pretty serious mindset stuff that goes into being able to do that. And I actually kind of uh, interested in both, but like when uh, that comes to mind, what do you think was harder to let go? Was it like, you know, was it a mental thing or like, you know, mindset stuff or was getting the systems in place to make sure that these people could really spread their wings? I think it's mindset. I think a lot of solo practitioners want to grow their firm and they think, oh, if I pay for this coaching to learn how to build my systems out, I'll, I'll have a successful law firm. And maybe that's true. But for me, like until I started having the right mindset, I don't think any system would have helped because the system's flat. <laughs> it just exists. Right. You have to actually have the mentality of being a leader and, you know, CEO of your company rather than an attorney that's hiring, you know, mediocre people to try to get them to build your firm or whatever you're doing. And I think the mindset was really hard for me. When I started my firm, I was engaged to somebody and I was really unhappy and I was super stressed out and I was trying to make that relationship work at the same time as trying to learn how to be a boss. Oh, geez. Yeah. Books about getting myself out of the practitioner chair or whatever, but it was really hard. And I think by having a tough time at home, it made me really make my law firm super efficient to manage stress at my company. And when I called off my wedding, my first year practicing my own business, it was crazy for my brain and for my sense of self. But I think like it taught me so much about, you know, what to prioritize in my life and also let me reevaluate kind of how I want to show up and who I wanted to be. And I just think it was a blessing because it let me kind of start a new chapter as far as how I wanted my firm to operate and kind of without any judgment, right? Because I'd already judged myself so hard. (laughs) Yeah, It was kind of cool, but I think without having that sort of 
painful thing happen in your life, <laughs> maybe it's harder to like rip off the bandaid and just decide you're gonna, you know, have this different role. I think it's so amazing too. And like, <laughs> I just like picking this out. You framed the, the difficult engagement as a positive, which is so fascinating to me because it's like, basically, you know, it did force you to be efficient. And there's so many people that would take that as an excuse. I mean, again, launching a firm in your first year and going through all that stuff, like bravo, that's like a lot to go through. But, you know, once you ended up clearing that, that block, so to speak, of the stuff that's going in your personal life, it was like, you were able to take that efficiency. And it was just like, you know, it was like driving a car that you already gotten the miles per gallon super high on, like how fast were you able to go after that? To be honest with you, like I struggled because I felt like I should want to grow like a $5 million firm because the first year my firm had generated a million dollars and that was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when I realized we generated seven figures, it was kind of this weird moment where I was like, but I'm not happy. So what am mm-hmm. I doing? I fought that urge to try to continue to build out systems and hire people and have this bigger company. And instead I kind of took a break and I I went on dates, I had fun, (laughs) I went on vacation, you know, and like my firm still grew, but it wasn't as exponential, but I think it's how I really found balance. And I figured out how to design my firm in a way that would make me happy because making more money, I mean, yeah, it sounds cool and stuff. And I'm sure, I don't know, we all want more, I guess, but at the end of the day, I think it's having that balance. Like I manage everybody through Slack, everything's on the cloud. You know, we have calendaring systems where right now I'm working 10 hours max a week, probably less. And I think that is like the biggest win of anything else. Like I'm pregnant, I'm due in two months, like to know that I can like be there for my daughter and not have to worry and not have that stress, I think is more valuable to me than like any amount of money or award, you know, I could get for having grown my firm faster or larger. Yeah. No, it's interesting too, because I feel like a lot of people who aren't at the seven figure level kind of like fetishize it a bunch and like past that point too, it's just like, you know, money is kind of just as it's probably the easiest scoreboard. So I think so many people like default to it, but like, it's so refreshing to hear that it's just, you know, I'm sure like, you know, how do you think about money these days as far as the revenue in the firm? Is it something you even think about on a day-to-day basis? I think about it because I want to make sure I we're generating enough to make our rockstar team happy. That's like my main goal in life. (laughs) So like we need to have enough work for everyone. And I want to make sure everyone can, because everyone has a bonus structure every month where if they bill a certain amount, they get a big fat bonus. And I always want to have enough work so that they get those bonuses. So that's kind of where, where my head's at all the time, making sure everyone's happy and like satisfied with what's coming in and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's really interesting too. And like, I think that's, it's no coincidence you have such a self-motivated team because it's like, you've created a a structure in place where it's like, they really can work harder for themselves. You know, it also happens to benefit everyone else, but like, you know, that's kind of the secret sauce. It's funny when you see people that are trying to set up culture in different ways and it's like, oh yeah, like I want an automated life for me. And I want to make sure that I'm having like all the different money for you. You guys, uh, it's hourly plus you're getting docked and clawbacks, you know, at these targets. It's like, no, it's like kind of like having the same standards for everyone is such an important thing. I had another question too. So if you're down to 10 hours per week, I know there's probably a very purposeful answer for this. What have you decided to keep on your plate? So I got a little bored when I got pregnant at first. And I was like, you know, you don't know this, but 
at least for me, when I got pregnant, it was like a lot of wheels turning, questioning everything I was doing. I think it's the hormones probably. But <laughs> so I, I talked to our managing attorney and I was like, I want to start doing consults again. I want to feel connected. And she was like, no Val. She's like, it's too disjointed. Like I'll continue to handle them. And I was like, that's fair. I respect you. So I wanted to fill more time. So I actually started a coaching business. So I love coaching attorneys on not how to become seven figure law firms, but on, I mean, if they want to fine, but more on how to like build their law firm to support the life they want. I think like a lot of, especially women, but I guess men too feel so bogged down and stressed with being a lawyer that they can't really enjoy their life. And I think it's, it is a mindset thing. And I guess it's a system thing too. So that's kind of (laughs) my passion project. But when I'm in the firm, I still run our weekly meetings. We just had one this morning, you know, we go through every case and we make sure everyone's been delegated enough work. And then if clients ever complain about anything, I want to be the one to handle it for our team. I don't want them to have to deal with that, you know? So I, kind of put out fires as I need to. So they feel like supported and that kind of thing. Okay. That's really interesting. I definitely, <laughs> huge respect to you too, because I know I would definitely never drop down to doing the, I'm not necessarily drop down, but step up, let's say to uh, dealing with the client complaints too. But I mean, it's awesome that, uh, that, that, that you do that. And like, it's kind of interesting too. Like whenever I ask that question to people that have kind of like reached the top, so to speak, it's interesting to see, because I've never gotten the same answer on that twice. <laughs> and it really does kind of like, you know, speak to like what's left over after you've gotten everything that's not necessarily in like what you consider your zone of genius, like out of there, which is really cool. I wanted to switch gears a little bit because I mean, I can tell that you, you know, you put a lot of thought and research into this. What are like your favorite, if you got any like, you know, books or thinkers or speakers or anything that's kind of like help you form, you know, how you think about work and life and all those different things. Like, what would you say are like the biggest influences for you? Yeah. So there's this book, (laughs) And it's called The Empowerment Dynamic. I think it's called The Book of Ted or The Power of Ted. And I just got obsessed with it. And it just, it really created this mindset of abundance for me. And I loved it so much that I used to send it to all of our clients after their initial consult with this little note from me. But people getting divorced, sometimes they don't want a book delivered to their house. It was like a little, pushy. but when we used to do in-person meetings, then it was like really sweet. You know, I'd give them this book, but I, I love it. And anytime I've had any sort of hard time, because whether I've had a hard time personally or professionally, it always affects my business. Cause mm-hmm. I'm the one that is your business is like a mirror, right. For yeah. like whatever you're going through. So I always reread the book and it even comes with like a little workbook And I forget the author's name now. It's David something, but I made friends with him and he would like give me discounted books and he loved that I was like (laughs) giving it to my clients. But I think that book, it's not about how to build out a company or anything like that, but it really changes your mindset to make you recognize how much power you have to really create the life you love. Now, not to get bogged down in, you know, the drama of other relationships you might be having that might be hurting your ability to create the life you want. I've actually never, so the empowerment dynamic. Yeah. Okay. I think it's I the power it. of Ted and Ted is okay. e, the E empowerment D dynamic. I got to add that to my reading list, Valerie, <laughs> but that's super cool. I mean, it's also interesting too, because it's like, you know, you'll hear people say this from time to time though. Just like, you know, all business development is personal development at the end of the day. Good luck running, you know, a seven figure practice. If you don't have the presence of mind from, I mean, another thing too, is just like, I think for people that end up staying small, it's like a lot of the times too, is because they like, you're not going to see the option that can take you to the next level if you're certain that it isn't your fault. 
<laughs> or like people do a lot of things. I mean, the kind of gymnastics that you can see people do just to be ego protective is kind of insane, but like using the, the term empowerment, like broadly not having read the book, but just like, I think like one of the most empowering things too, sometimes is scary, but also empowering is just being able to take ownership of what's happening in, in your life and seeing what you can do as opposed to other stuff too. And it seems like you've done a really fantastic job of doing that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like having perspective, right? Like I don't know, in family law and in my personal life, like I've dealt with people threatening to kill themselves or I've dealt with people that really need to go to rehab or whatever it is, right? And so instead of complaining about a little thing in your business, I think it's always having that perspective of what's a real problem and what's a like, what's a obstacle that can just make your firm stronger and better by learning from it. And I think that's why I know you think it's weird, baby, but it is why I like to handle the client issues because- I think that's the heartbeat of what you could be doing to improve your business, right? Like my attorneys, like they have a client complains about something really little and they're like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, well, let's pretend like they do, you know, (laughs) because even though I agree, you did a great job explaining and the fact that they're mad about this 0.1 charge, I, whatever. Right. But like at the end of the day, maybe we could do a better job communicating about that work ahead of time in the future. You know, like there's always something you can learn from negative feedback or something negative that happens. I mean, that's the truth too. And and just to be clear, I don't think it's weird. I'm just not brave enough to do it personally. (laughs) So mad respect, first of all, but I mean, think about it. That's kind of the most genuine feedback that, that you can get. Like, I know we'd all love to believe that we're as good as our five-star reviews after we ask somebody to do it. But, you know, people are unvarnished when they're going to go out of their way to tell you about something that's negative. And like, you know, even if they're completely off base for whatever reason, it's like, you know, something was allowed to get to that point. That is something that happened at some point in the business. So, you know, I think that's a really, really awesome approach too. And like, you know, again, major kudos for being able to, to, to face that. And also the other thing you mentioned, like I completely forgot that you, you practice intense family law until you mentioned it just now, because you're just such a cheery person. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's, yeah, there's something definitely like, you know, you've got some, some, some really interesting stuff um, just in terms of development to get you to that point. So it's, which is really interesting. I want to pivot a little bit too, because um, I wasn't aware of the coaching program, but we have a lot of law firm listeners. I'm sure some of them might be a good fit. Tell us more about that program. Like, you know, when did you end up launching that? What's what's kind of the right person for that? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I really wanted to help other lawyers grow their firms in a way that's, I don't want to say it's easy because that sounds so tacky, but just yeah. in a way where you're not grinding. I never felt like I had to grind and I don't think you have to grind running a law firm. I think that courage you have from quitting your job as an associate attorney and starting your own business is huge. But once you take that step, I feel like a lot of attorneys put back on that like coat of stress and like that same workload and that same stress they had as an associate attorney they bring to running their firm. And I just, I don't think it has to be that way. So this year, actually, I've launched the coaching program and it's so cool to be able to have that one-on-one relationship with other lawyers and really help them figure out what they're spending their time doing and how to kind of delegate tasks and how to hire the right people in order to have the life they want. And I say I work 10 hours a week and most people I talk to, they say they don't want that. You know, they still want to have more of a hold on their business. And that's okay too. You know, there's no one right way, I think, to run the law firm. It's just kind of getting in touch with 
what works for you and what makes sense for you. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a more of a personal approach. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And is there like any sort of like a public link that people, I mean, you guys taking clients? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really picky. (laughs) Create me an application. (laughs) No, I haven't. Yeah, we can get in the show notes too if you want to get that done to the producers. But it's just powerhouselawyer.as.me is Mm -hmm. how you can schedule a, a consult with me. But yeah, I guess for me, I don't really want a high volume of clients. I So I've been pretty particular about who I, you know, work with just because I, I want to work with people that are really motivated to build their company in the way they want. It takes a lot of work on the attorney's end. It's not something that you can uh, spend money on and just <laughs> have happen. I think like like you were saying, like elevating your mindset, it takes this commitment. And I think some people are at the place where they're ready for it and some aren't. But I love providing that value to people just because it's made such a huge difference, you know, in my own life, you know, from being unable to get up for air <laughs> to suddenly, you know, having this free space in my brain to you know, find the right romantic relationship and like figure out what I like to do for fun. (laughs) Because I think, you know, when you're a lawyer and you're grinding, at least for me, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I didn't have the space to really think about what I wanted for my life because I was so focused on just making sure I was, you know, billing the hours and doing the best job possible for my clients. And I, it's, I think it's hard for those two things to coexist at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it was like an interesting metaphor you use about like, you know, putting on the coat of stress because it's like, it's kind of scary just looking at a calendar and be like, yeah, I got nothing. What do I want to do? <laughs> and it's always easy just to drop it in the emails and just figure out just like whatever. And then it's just kind of a default. Like, you know, some people wait until they retire to figure out what they want to do. And some people don't make it, unfortunately. So it's just like, you know, we all have one life to live. I think it's kind of important to like look at the stuff like a little bit earlier. Getting a puppy helped at the beginning. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say. At least at one point, you have one, one less task to do at least do that. That's kind of a good, good training wheels, baby. But um, no, that's awesome, Valerie. And then, um, okay. So I want to close out with one question, which is what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to yourself the day that you started your law firm? What oh didn't God. you know then that you know now? I think to listen to my gut. I think that like I would tell myself that you already know what you should do and you don't need anyone to confirm that for you. Because I think for me, maybe it's just how my brain works. I don't know. But uh, whenever I'm starting something new, I feel like I have to pull all my friends, you know, like, what should I call my firm? What do you guys think? I had to ask like 20 people. I had to have these mass emails because it's like, I think it's like, learning how to use a new muscle, you know, like learning how to run a business is such a different set of skills um, that at first, I don't think I had confidence that I would be good at those skills. When I think the truth is that being a really empathetic person, understanding people, and honestly, a lot of the traits that I had being a female kind of that I was told in law school and in internships would make me a shitty lawyer. I think that those were a lot of the things that really helped me um, run a successful business. So I, I just think it's so easy sometimes to listen to negative feedback from others 
And I guess advice is impossible because when you get negative feedback, it's hard to not really focus on it. But I think that if you yourself have that confidence and self-esteem to listen to your gut, I think that's when your business will start being successful. Because if you're the captain of your ship and you're doubting yourself all the time, that's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So you don't need to ask for permission. People are probably more powerful than they think. Totally. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Valerie, thank you so much for this interview. This is really great energy. I love this. <laughs> I have a lot of fun with this. And then um, we'll get the show notes for anyone who wants to. Well, again, I know this is kind of out of left field. Don't want to inundate you with that stuff. But uh, at least if it's interesting, reach out. But yeah, for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.